Beautiful. That's what comes to mind when we think about our human design and we're progressively exposed to the perfection of God's original design. Our lives begin to reflect that beauty. Your life is His design, and His design is beautiful. Thank you for engaging with us as we are about to be further exposed to the beauty of His design as we look into the world to see Jesus. Welcome to Relentless 2022. It's a joy to be here. It's an honor to have me here again ministering. Uh, it's not a right. I see it as a privilege, as an honor to be a part of this conference. I was here last year and I'm honored to be here again this year. I want to say Happy New Year to every one of you here at the Blueprint Church. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for what you represent. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for being bold with the gospel of God's goodness, of God's unconditional love and preaching the truth of the gospel fearlessly. I want to say that uh, my heart is in with you guys. I believe in what you're doing and I stand solidly in faith with you. I want to appreciate your pastor, uh, PD, Pastor Kichiku. Thank you so much for having me here after you. You are such a lovely, wonderful man. I remember the first time I met you, and since then, you've just been your sweet self. God bless you. And the team of leaders in this great uh, church, I thank God for your lives and thank God for what you all do and uh, for being so excellent at what you, you do. Now, I bring you greetings from everyone here in Christ Family Ministries, uh, as from my wife and our team of pastors. We're excited that uh, we, we share the bond of fellowship which we all together have. You know, God said to us this year, for us as a ministry, He said it's the year of the wide open door. Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, the church of Philadelphia. Amen. The church of love. You know, God said to us that he set before us a wide open door. And this wide open door is a door that no man can shut because he's given to us the keys of David. We have the authority. He said he knows that our strength is little, but we've kept his word. We've not denied his name. Hallelujah. And therefore, a wide open door has been set before us. And what's that wide open door? That wide open door is Jesus. It's the year of the revelation of Christ and his possibilities. We're taking over territories and systems. Uh, the message is spreading like never before. And we cannot be stopped. Glory to God. We cannot be stopped because we're moving in the power of God's Spirit. And uh, we know that that open door is the sacrifice of Jesus. Under the Old Testament, uh, the high priest went into the holiest of all once in a year. But Scripture tells us that the day that Jesus died, <laughs> Scripture tells us that uh, his body, as his body hung on the cross, something significant happened. The veil in the temple tore from top to bottom. What that signified, according to Paul's letter to the Hebrews in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, is that a new and a living way was consecrated. That means through Christ Jesus, all that the high priest uh, experienced once in a year would come into the fullness of it. That's where we are. We're in the year of God's Spirit. We're in the year of divine possibilities. We cannot be stopped. We stand in the very grace of God that the high priest enjoyed. That is where God has brought us. Romans 5, 1 says, Now therefore being justified by faith, we are what? Peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. I don't know about you, but I'm standing in grace. We're standing in grace. You know, imagine how lovely the holiest of all was. And anytime the, the high priest came out of that holiest and made declarations, the nation was changed. That's the same way we stand in the grace of God and we change our nation. We stand in the grace of God, we change the industries, we change our families and our communities. And um, but, and for the fact that we share the same uh, 
kindred spirit, I just want to let you also know and prophesy to you that this year is your year of the wide open door, a, wide of, uh, a year of divine possibilities for you. And there are doors that have been opened to you that no man can shut because you're standing fast in the sacrifice and in the victory of our Lord Jesus. Now this year I'm so excited about Relentless because it's tagged uh, Premium Waves. Glory to God. Premium Waves. How to live the supernatural life. You know, the life of the believer is not an ordinary life. I believe you understand that. It's not an ordinary life. A Christian is not a reformed human being. You know, sometimes when we talk about Christianity, people come under this illusion that being a Christian is like things I used to do, I do them no more. Christianity is more than the things I used to do, I do them no more. Christianity, hallelujah, actually means that you have been totally changed and you've received the life of God. I was sitting in a church some time ago in Benue State and I asked them a question. I said, how many of you know what it means to be a child of God? And they all put their hands up. I said, how many of you are children of God? They put their hands up. I said, do you know the implication of that statement? If you are a child of God, it means that you are a God. Jesus said in John chapter 3 verse uh, 3 when he was talking to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus had come to him by night asking him. He said, master, no one can do the things that you do except God be with him. That means Jesus was extraordinary. His life was not the normal life. Yes, he probably had been born to a carpenter, to the family of a carpenter. Probably had walked the streets. But when he began to manifest in the fullness of his, who God made him, he was obvious. And a religious leader, someone who was a strict adherent of the law. Nicodemus came and met him by night. Are we together? And he said to Nicodemus, and said to Jesus, he said, look, Rabbi, forget all the things we do. Forget the fact that we criticize you and forget the fact that we don't like you. One of the things I can testify to is that you are a teacher sent from God. He said, for no one can do the things that you're doing except God is with him. I know what Jesus said to him. He said, you know, except a man is born again, he cannot do what? He cannot uh, see the kingdom of God. And uh, Nicodemus said, what is this born again thing you're talking about? You know, are you saying that at this age I should get back into my mother's womb and be born again? Jesus said, look, except a man is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Glory to God. He said he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He cannot have these experiences, I'm saying. He cannot enter into God's way of doing things. At this point, Nicodemus became quiet. And Jesus said, are you a teacher of the law? Are you a ruler of the synagogue and you don't know these things? That means there is a level of knowledge Jesus operated in that Nicodemus wasn't aware of. And what did Jesus say to him? He said that which is born. He said the wind blows where it listens. Are you getting me? That means we are living spirit directed life. And what was the next thing he said? He said to him that which is born of the spirit. Of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Meaning that once we had a birth, and what was that birth? Our parents gave birth to us. We received their genes. We are an extract of their genes. Our bodies, look that's why we look like them. We talk like them. The pigmentation of our skin is because of the genetic composition of our parents. But he said, look, after flesh has given birth to flesh, there is a need, glory to God, to be born of the spirit. Meaning the same way you were born of the flesh and you were flesh is the same way you will be born of the spirit. Are we together? You'll be born of the spirit. And that which is born of the spirit is what is spirit. If you are born of the spirit of God, then you have the spirit of God tabernacled in you. You have the life of God. And in essence, Jesus was saying, look, what I'm trying to get you to see, Nicodemus, is that the life that I operate by is not the everyday life. It's not this life that Joseph and Mary has. 
Because Joseph and Mary only gave me a body. But right now in me, living in this earthen vessel, this container, is a spirit of God. In the same way, those of us who have become born again, know the good news. Your parents gave you that body. But when you got born again, you received the very life of God. Jesus said in John chapter 1, that as many as received him, uh, it was recorded, to as many as received him, to them gave he what? Power, John 1, 14. To become what? The sons of God. So we have become the sons of God. We have become the children of God. The Bible tells us in John 1, 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. So the day you receive the word of God, the day you receive the forgiveness of sins that God offers you in Christ Jesus, the day you came to that place where you discovered that Jesus has paid for all your sins and that his blood has broken the power of the curse in your life and that you are blessed. And you opened your mouth and you said, Jesus is Lord. Do you know the good news? What actually happened is that that word was made flesh in your physical body. You became the word made flesh. So the same life that Jesus operated by when he was here on earth is the same life that has been given to you on the platter of God's grace and mercy. Are we together? So if you are born again, you are living the supernatural life. You have the supernatural life. You have the very life of God on the inside of you. And God expects you to live this life from the inside out. And that's why I'm particularly excited about this year's theme, Premium Wave, is how to make manifest that which is in us. Because the eternal life which you have received on the inside of you can affect everything. It can affect your physical body. It can affect your families. It can affect your businesses. It can affect everything that you do. That even those who criticize you will come to you, are we together, and say of a truth, we know that God is with you. For no one can do the things that you do except God be with him. So we have received the life. Tell your neighbor I have received the life. Jesus said in the book of John chapter 10 verse 10, The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Meaning that the day we receive Jesus into our hearts, we receive, amen, capacity for change. We receive capacity to live at another plane of life. We receive capacity to live the gone kind of life. So recently I've been looking at certain, you know, in the last few weeks, you know, of the year that just passed, you know, God started staring in my heart one of the prayers that Paul made, which is the prayer that he made for the Ephesian church in the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 1. You know, those are some of the most powerful prayers. You know, nobody unveiled the message of the eternal life of God, of the grace of God, like the Apostle Paul. And this was the prayer he made for the Ephesian church. And I was looking at that prayer again. I've been praying this prayer probably for over 18 years. Glory to God. I've made this prayer almost every day, but as the Spirit of God drew my attention to it, and I began to look at it again, you know, it opened my eyes to some very powerful truth. So let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, because what I want to share with you in this conference is how to live, to make manifest this life. How can this life that you've received, because it's in you, how can it affect everything that you do? Glory to God. So in Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 15, the Bible says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you. He says, making mention of you, where? In my prayers. And here the prayer, verse 17. This is a prayer. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He said, the eyes of your understanding, being what? Enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints? He says, and what the, is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his what? Of his mighty power. Whoa. I feel like shouting. Powerful prayer. 
Glory to God. Powerful prayer. Now, what did Paul notice about the Ephesian church? They were a lovely set of people. Do you know this is one of the churches that Paul wrote a letter to and hardly had any complaint among them, about them. To the Corinthian church, there were issues. If you look at the letter to the Corinthian church, they had issues. They were abusing communion. <laughs> they were, they were having issues of sexual immorality. Are you getting me? They had all kinds of moral agitations and arguments as to what to wear, what not to wear. But there's something about the church in Ephesus that if you look at this episode, he, he has no complaint about this church. Are you getting me? He has no complaint about this church. So this is a lovely church. This is the kind of church you say, wow, wonderful church. Beautiful people. He says in verse 15, he says, ever since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. That means they had received Jesus. They had received the eternal life of God. And he says, and your love for all the saints. So you come to this church, you're saturated with love. But Paul said, look, there's something I've been praying about. There's something I've been praying about for you guys. Are you with me? And what is that prayer? He says, this is my prayer. That the Father of glory, this God that you adore, this God that you love so much, will grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That means there's still something to know. Are we together? There's something to understand. What his prayer was is that they will live a full proof of the life that they've received. And there are three items, three key things that we see in that prayer that Paul made. Number one is the hope of his calling. The first thing Paul wanted them to know is God's hope. What is God's hope? What is God's expectation of you? Why did he call you? I was sharing with our church recently and I told them how uh, I grew up with an uncle who loves to send people. He loves to just send people. And sometimes he will call you to come and not really have something for you to do. I'm sure maybe some of you have uncles like that. They just like to put you to the task. And sometimes he will call you, you will come, and he has forgotten why he called you. <laughs> he doesn't even know why he called you. He has no plan for you. He just wants you to, to be there. And then after a while, I say, just wait. Then he'll come up with something and say, go do that. God is not like that. Listen to me. God is very deliberate about humanity. He's very deliberate about your life. He will not call you if he has not established a cause. He will not call you if he has not established a purpose. That means before he calls you, are you getting me? Before he said, come, he had planned out something for you. He has designed your life. He has a purpose for you. He has an assignment for you to do what? He has an assignment for you to accomplish here on earth. And that's what Paul was saying. I pray that you understand the hope of God's calling. So the first thing a believer needs to understand, are we together? Needs to know is that why am I here? Why am I here? When we got born again, why didn't he just whisk us to heaven? Some people think that would have been lovely. No, 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 no. It's because when he saw you, are you with me? He had a crafted plan, a perfect design that suits you, your personality, and then he brought you here. And Paul said, I pray that you realize it. That means when we get born again, good news, we don't lose our lives, we find it. If your life was without a purpose, if you did not know your assignment, in Christ Jesus you will discover it. God was talking in the book of Jeremiah. Maybe let's go there to the book of Jeremiah chapter 1. He looked at Jeremiah. Thank you, Lord. Jeremiah chapter 1. Hear what it says in Jeremiah chapter 1. He says to Jeremiah, 
In verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Ah. He says, Before you were born, I sanctified. The word sanctified means to set apart. He said, I ordained you a prophet to the nation. That means before he was formed, God had a colorful destiny. He was looking for a prophet in Israel. Am I talking to somebody? For that time that Israel was in. And he crafted that future. He crafted that plan. He designed it and said, the person that fits it is this child called Jeremiah. So he was saying to him, he said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Nothing excites me more than this. To know that I am not an accidental discharge. That I didn't just arrive here on earth. You know some people, they sit down and look at their lives and wondering, what am I doing? Why am I in this family? Why am I in this place? Why am I in this school? Why am I in this community? Some are even wondering, why am I Nigerian? <laughs> you know, they are just wondering, what am I doing here? Listen, such questions will never help you realize who God has made you. What you should be saying is that, thank you, Lord. Regardless of where I am, now I am in Christ. Being in Christ is greater than being a Nigerian. Being in Christ is bigger than your tribe. Being in Christ is bigger than your geopolitical, you know, uh, uh, location. Being in Christ is the greatest thing that has happened to you. Now that you have come into this place, Pastor, my prayer is for you is that for your eyes to be open to realize what it means to be in Christ. And listen to me: if you are in Christ, all things are yours. If you are in Christ, there is a glorious destiny that has been prepared for you. I know. Jeremiah began to bring all his limitations. I'm not good enough. He said in verse 6, then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a youth. <laughs> but the Lord said to him, Do not say I'm a youth. Do not say it. Do not say it. That means this year there are certain things you shouldn't be saying. Do not say I am useless. Do not say I am good for nothing. Do not say I cannot do this. Do not say I cannot do that. Because you can be exactly who God says you're going to be. Hallelujah. Paul prayed that you discover it. You discover God's assignment. And through that assignment, you fulfill God's purpose. Oh, hallelujah. You fulfill it. He said, for you will go to all whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. So do not be afraid of the challenges, the data, the figures in that industry. Brace your mind and say, look, God has called me to be the best in this industry. God has designed for me, hallelujah. He has planted me in this particular assembly. He has planted me in this church. He has given me this ministry. And I'm not afraid. I will do exactly what he tells me to do. He has planted me in this company. And I'm rising to the zenith in the name of Jesus. Do I have a witness? You don't look down on yourself. You don't speak about your inadequacies. In Christ, you can do all things through him who strengthens you. In Christ, there are no impossibilities. That's the mindset you should have. He saw me and he did what? He called me. He knew I could do it and I'm here. And if God believes in me, that means I can do whatever he says for me to do. That is the attitude. That is the attitude. That's what Paul was praying. You don't see yourself as a second class citizen. You see yourself as God's man ruling and reigning in the affairs of men. Hallelujah. You see yourself as one who carries the eternal life of God into those environments, into those spaces. And that's what's happening for you this year. Paul said, I pray for you to realize it. You know, there's something people always feel sometimes. They feel that, you know, if I don't do this, God's going to raise another person to do that. How many of you have thought like that before? Probably you heard some preachers say that if you don't do this, God knows a thousand and one people. 
that can do that. Can I, assure, can I clear something in your mind? When God called you, he didn't have an option. When God designed your assignment, he wasn't saying that if Pastor Kechuku doesn't do it, then I'll bring another person to do it. Listen, every human being has his own crafted assignment. Has his own tailored assignment. If you don't do it, it is your assignment that you didn't carry out. It is your destiny that you didn't fulfill. Somebody might be doing something that looks like what you are supposed to do. But God crafted that person's assignment for it. There's nothing like God looked at this person and said, if he doesn't do it, then this person will come and do it. You are not a second choice. That's why anything God tells me to do, I put my whole heart into it. I don't live my life with this mindset of, if I don't do it, God's going to bring another person to do it. No, 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 no. There's no other person that can do what only Aramir can do. There's nobody that's going to write the song that only you can write. There's nobody that's going to write the book that only you can, can write. There's nobody that's going to speak at a conference that only you can speak. Listen, Pastor Kechuku has invited different ministers to come here. I'm not preaching this message with the mindset that if I don't preach it, God will raise someone and come and preach it. No. There's nobody on earth that will probably preach it like I'm preaching it. That means whatever I'm going to do, I take it as a good steward, knowing that God expects this of me and he, he has entrusted me with the abilities to do it and I'm going to give it my all. Somebody say amen. So give God your all. Give it your best shot. Heaven stands cheering you that you can do all things. That is the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling, his expectation. Paul was talking in the book of Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. You know, he made a prayer. He, he made a statement there that blesses me. You know, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. He says in verse 20, he says that I have been crucified with Christ. Oh my. He says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. This is not a figure of speech. This is not a parable. This is not an illustration. Christ lives in me. I am the walking, talking, breathing Christ here on earth. He says, he lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, the life that I'm living right now, there's something that is propelling it. There's something that is pushing it. What is that? Glory. What is that? He says it's the faith of the Son of God. So what is the faith of the Son of God? What did Jesus see when he was going on the cross? He saw me. He saw you. Listen. There's something Jesus believed about Aramir. That Aramir can become if he lays down his life for him. I don't know if you get me. That God will look at Aramir and say, look. See, I want you to isolate yourself right now. Don't put yourself in a crowd. Jesus died for the whole world, but he died for you. So what am I saying this morning? That Jesus, glory to God, when he was going on the cross, he was thinking about me. And what was he thinking about me? He thought about my entire life. What I would become. What I will do. How I will impact people. How I will bring people to him. How I will be a mighty tool in his hands for the kingdom. How my business will prosper. My family will affect the nations of the earth. He thought he had everything in perspective when Jesus went on the cross. Are we together? And he said, look, by laying down my life for Arame and paying the price, God's original purpose and plan for Arame will become a reality. Because God's original plan for man is that man will be fruitful. Hi. Is that man will do what? Will, will multiply. 
From fruitfulness you multiply. That man will have dominion. Glory to God. And man will subdue the earth. So he was looking at me and he was saying, look, Arame will be fruitful. Arame will multiply. Arame will have dominion. Arame will subdue the earth and have dominion over the earth. That is what he saw. God's original plan is God's eternal plan. That if Arame, are you with me? If Arame is a pastor, then he'll be a fruitful pastor. Arame will become a pastor that will multiply the works of fruitful, the, 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 the fruitful works of his hands. That Arame will subdue the earth and have dominion. If maybe there's someone there, maybe your name is Elizabeth. He's thought of Elizabeth. There's a divine mandate on Elizabeth's life. That Elizabeth is born to be fruitful. Elizabeth is born to multiply. Elizabeth is born to subdue. Elizabeth is born to have what? Dominion. And he said, if I lay down my life for him, and this virus caused sin is taken away, the system will work again like it was designed to work. So, if Elizabeth, hallelujah, is frying Akara, amen. If Elizabeth is walking in a mall, if Elizabeth finds herself in in school, Elizabeth will be fruitful. Elizabeth will multiply. You see, God's eternal plan is, God's original plan is his eternal plan. That means your life is for fruitfulness. Your life is for productivity. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it what? More abundantly. So regardless of where you come from, Jesus saw something and he said, look, I'm going to lay down my life. Because what was the obstacle? The obstacle was sin. And the only way sin can be taken away is by paying a price you couldn't pay. And Jesus said, I'm going to pay the price for you. That is why as a Christian, you should never live a life short of God's best for you. Do you have, do I have a weakness? You reject it. Reject it vehemently. So Paul said, if I live my life right now, I live it because of the faith the faith of the Son of God. The faith that Jesus had in me to offer himself for me. Hallelujah. And can I say something to someone? If Jesus had enough faith, if Jesus had enough faith in me to die, let me tell you, then nothing can stop me from becoming who God wants me to be. The life I now live in the flesh is propelled by that confidence that Jesus had in me. That is what Paul was praying for the Ephesian church. This is what he was praying when he said that you will know the hope of his calling. God's hope for you, is that through you this earth will be subdued under the dominion of the gospel of Christ. Through you, the gospel that Blueprint Church has, are you mean? As you become fruitful, as you multiply, and you feel every part of Lagos, a day will come, when we come to Lagos, they'll say, ah, these Blueprint guys are everywhere. Hallelujah. These Blueprint people are everywhere. I can just see them everywhere. Like whatever they put their hands upon to do just works. You come into the office, there's this problem, there's this situation, and as you're sitting there, the eternal life of God begins to prepare answers. It comes to your mind. You come up with designs. You come up with solutions to the problems you're having in the marketplace. And, you know, like Daniel, you know, uh, by the solutions that you solve, God begins to elevate you in your field. That is what is happening to you this year. You are living premium waves. You are living on, you are, you are, you are riding on waves that are not normal. Hallelujah. When they see you, they'll say, where is this guy headed? Where is this lady headed? There's just something about you. So did we get that? There was a second thing. The second thing that Paul prayed for, the Ephesians is in verse, um, still in verse 18. He says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The second thing is God's inheritance. What is God's inheritance? Hallelujah. 
when you speak of inheritance, you talk of what you got by relationship. There can be no talk of inheritance without relationship. That means something that is bequeathed, something that is given. So you begin to wonder, God is my inheritance. <laughs> God is my inheritance. You know, once in the book of Genesis, chapter 14, no, chapter 15, Abraham came to a point in his life, 15 years after God had called him, he was really wondering. <laughs> I said, God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless. I know what God said to him. You know, God said, come, I'm going to take you to the stars. And he showed him the stars. He said, so shall your seed be. No, but before that time, God had announced something to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. Abraham didn't even know the gravity of what God was saying to him. What did God say to Abraham? God said to Abraham, are we together? God said to Abraham, Abraham, <laughs> I am your exceeding great reward. And Abraham didn't know what it means. When God says your exceeding great reward, God was literally saying, Abraham, I'm your inheritance. I'm all that you need. And listen, with God, you cannot be disadvantaged. But Abraham was still saying, yes, I know you are all that I need, but how are you going to give me a child? And God said, look, it's the pictures in your mind that needs to change. I'll talk about that briefly before we go. But what, what am I saying here? God is our inheritance. God is our inheritance. Jesus is our inheritance. But this prayer that Paul made here is not about God being our inheritance. He says that our eyes will be open to know what are the riches of the glory of God's what? Inheritance. So what is God's inheritance? What is the most precious thing to God? What is the thing of greatest value to God? It is the church. While the church sees God as their inheritance, God sees the church as his what? Inheritance. That is why through the ages, different evil forces have risen, trying to stop the voice of the church. But listen to me. Nobody can stop the church. The church is God's inheritance here on the earth. And what Paul was saying is that, I pray that your eyes are open to see what it means to be a part of the church. Jesus said, upon this church, I build my what? Upon this revelation, I build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is the answer to a hurting world. Are you with me? Some say, well, but people have been abused in the church. People have abused people in the church, but the church doesn't abuse people. Amen. I was talking to someone who was offended once about church. And, you know, he was saying, I got tired. I'm not coming to church again. Too many irregularities in church. I said, well, I just want to say something to you. The church is perfect. The church is a perfect body. But everything, every person in the church might not be perfect. Is a perfect body with imperfect members. Are you getting me? And we're all growing. I said, you come from a family. He said, yes. I said, do you love your family members? He said, very much. <laughs> I said, are they, do they all do what you like? He said, no. I said, so what do you do? You're all growing. You're all growing as a family. He said, that's true. You know, God gave us a beautiful picture of the church in the ark that Noah built. Why there was death in the world. Why there was death outside the ark. I don't even know there was life in the ark. But you see, you can imagine living with all those creatures in the ark. Those snakes, those snails, those cattle, Living with all those things in the ark. That must be a terrible place to be. And we don't know the activities 
going on in the ark. Probably they had misunderstandings in the ark. Are you with me? But did you ever hear that anybody jumped out of that ark? I said to jump out of that ark is to jump out of God's uh, provision of safety, of protection and deliverance. So I said, look, stay in the church. Come back. Are you getting me? Come back. Make up your mind to be that person who builds the body. That's what Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 4. He said, we being knit together, we are all doing what? We are all growing. We speak the truth in love. That means we are all growing. Look at what the people do in church and learn to forgive. Are you? Are we together? This is God's inheritance. No offense in this place. No bitterness. Hallelujah. If a brother or a sister is going through a hot trying a, a time, it is not your responsibility to go and begin to announce it on social media. If a brother is having his or her challenges, what is your own work? Your own work is to go on your knees. Bear one another's body. Is that all we are asked to do? Begin to pray for them. Begin to pray for that brother. Stand by that brother and say together, we are going to be everything God wants us to be. The devil will do everything to try to bring division, schisms into your church. Don't allow that in blueprint this year. Reject every form of malice. Are you getting me? Reject anything that will distort the unity of the body. Value God's church. Value the church. See blueprint. And I know that's how you guys are. See blueprint as a church that is affecting the community. Then you begin to affect your state. Then you begin to affect the nation as a whole. Jesus said in John 13 verse 34, by this shall all men know that you are my what? My disciples. If you have loved one for another indeed. So let your love work be so powerful. Let it be evident in what you do. Value the church. That's what he's saying. The church is beautiful. Zechariah chapter 3 verse 17. Zechariah chapter 3 verse 17. So you see this year, give yourself like never before to the church. Give yourself to service. You know, you're not serving Pastor PD. Amen. You're not, he's not the one you're serving. It is God you're serving. Hallelujah. Father, I give you praise. Zephaniah. Zephaniah. Amen. Okay, let me just get this from my device. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He says, the Lord your God in your midst. The mighty one will say, he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. <laughs> when God sees the church, he's excited. He looks at the church and says, wow, I love the church. Jesus spilled his blood for it. Jesus looks at the church and says, my bride. The day you begin to see the church, the way God sees the church, the way you see the church, you begin to see the way Jesus sees the church, there's nothing that can stop you from growing. Hallelujah. You don't allow the devil any access or entrance into your life. You find your own place and yourself. So this year, have a greater commitment to the church. Hallelujah. Have a great, greater commitment to the church. More than the building, more than the systems we committed in building the church. If you're an usher, usher well. If you're a greeter, greet well. Are you getting me? Be happy to stand there and welcome people into church. Let your, let them feel the genuine love. You know, I'm not talking about, uh, I'm not talking about, uh, what some people do is, you, you must be from the heart. That's what I'm saying. It's not that, you're not programmed, you're not just programmed for it. Hallelujah. When you greet people, let them feel the love of God. If you're a preacher, when you preach, let the people hear the love of God. Are, are we together? See yourself as a builder of the church together with God. Have value for the things of God. 
glory to God. That's God's inheritance. You are God's inheritance. God places premium on you. He doesn't joke with you. I told somebody some years ago, I said, don't make a mistake of coming against me because you might be setting yourself at self-destruct. I told uh, members of our church some time ago, I said, have you ever seen a hen with cheeks? You know, when the, when the hen, when the cheeks are young, and um, or even when just laid its eggs, that hen that when you are coming to a place is running, the day you try to touch that hen's eggs or cheeks, how many of you notice what it does? It will charge at you. It is ready to peck you. Why? It's something that is of great value to the hen. You might be seeing an omelet. But God, that hen sees a cheek. He sees a life. In the same way, people outside the world, they view the church as some bunch of holy roller coasters. We're just shouting. We're just rejoicing, you know. Some people who are just acting nice. And they think they can touch the church. Make no mistake. It's not the way the world sees the church. That God sees the church. Are we together? And this year, don't be a part of the church's problem. <laughs> Build the church. Hallelujah. Build the local church. Build the local church. The local assembly. Build bl- uh, blueprint. Be a part of it. It's not, don't join people on social media to talk about what you are a part of. Don't think that anytime you criticize a church, you're criticizing anybody. You're criticizing yourself. Hallelujah. Don't dissociate yourself. You are a member of the body. Value what God values. And you can see that in the letters that Paul wrote, he placed a lot of emphasis on that. Amen. Then finally, the third thing that Paul prayed for the church, glory to God, is God's power. He prayed God's power for them. Look at verse 19. He said, and what is the exceeding what? Greatness of his what? Power. The exceeding greatness of his power towards us. Higher. What is the exceeding greatness of God's power? That means all of God's power. The power that brought this earth to being. The power that created everything we see. Is in the new creation. When God said in Genesis 1, light be, and there was light, the Bible said that power is in you. It must be grace. It must be the grace of God for you to carry that. The power, let me, let me open somebody's mind. The power that opened the Red Sea, where is it? It's in you. Everything you read in scripture that is a demonstration of the power of God is in the new believer. The day old believer, the day you got born again, God said, my power takes residence in you. Paul said, my prayer is that you will know what is the exceeding greatness of this power. Let there be more miracles this year in blueprint. Hallelujah. I see a church walking in power. You know, sometimes we say, Lord, come down and do something. <laughs> come down and display, make your power manifest. Lord, come and change my life. Lord, this year, I trust is the year that you will do something new in my life. God never does any old thing besides. Amen. Everything he does is new. But the power to get that done, where is it? It's in you. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts. That when the day of Pentecost had fully come, Acts chapter 2, the apostles were 
with one accord in the upper room. And they came the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And he sat upon them like clothing tongues of fire. The Bible says he gave them utterance and they all began to speak. This is what I want you to see. Hallelujah. When they were there and the power came down, the Holy Ghost came. Jesus has said to them, you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come. When the Holy Ghost came, did they receive power? The answer is yes. Is there anywhere in scripture that you read that the power left? No. The question now is not whether there is power. The question is what will, what are you doing with the power? Look at what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 20. Glory. Ephesians 3.20. One of my fathers in the faith called me a day to the crossover service and he said, Pastor Arame, this year, bring the power upon the people. Manifest the power of God. It's in you. Oh, he said, like never before, let's bring hope to the people. Deliverance to the people. Manifest the power like never before. Glory to God. And that power is not there to lie dormant. There is a way to get it operational. Glory. So the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Look at this. It's a scripture we all know. Ephesians 3, 20. Now to him who is able to do, how? Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Hey, where is the power? The power is in you. The power is at work in you. But who is able to do? God. So what does God, how does God do the things he does in our lives? It's by the power that is where? That is in us. The power is in you. So the question is, how, how come we're not seeing more of this power? It's because you are not turning that power on. Which brings me to what I say as I plan to round up my message today. Two things are necessary for change in a believer's life. If you want to get into new levels, as a believer, you have the ability to decide where your life should be per time. Somebody say, really? Yeah, you have the power to decide. It's in your, it's in your, God has given you everything. And two things are key. The first is knowledge. Spiritual knowledge is an essential ingredient for change of levels. You see, the more you grow in the knowledge of God, are you with me? The more you increase in life. So, a change in level, a change in finances, does not come by wishing. It does not even come by praying. I see lots of people who pray. But prayer is only as effective as the knowledge with which you carry into prayer. I see people who pray and pray and pray and say, Lord, just do anything. Lord, no, no, no. If you have knowledge, your prayers will be more effective. And if your prayers are more effective, you have more results. And one of the things God told me this year, and I've been saying it to our church members, is to focus on being what? Effective. So that you don't, don't do things for doing sake. What you do should produce what? Results. And that's why Paul started in his prayer, in Ephesians 1 verse 17, that God will grant to them the spirit of what? Wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of him. Knowledge is important. Spiritual knowledge is very, very what? Important. It's important to walk in the knowledge of God's word. And you see, when we talk about walking in the knowledge of God's word, it talks about growing in the knowledge of God's word. The amount of grace that any believer enjoys is actually directly connected, are we together, to the knowledge that he or she is walking in. 
If you've been struggling with one area of your life, sickness, disease, or you've been struggling financially, or you're married, do you know what you need to do? You need to go into God's Word and ask God to reveal to you. Are you getting me? Reveal to you. Show you from His Word. And the moment light comes, darkness leaves. The Bible says the light shines in darkness and darkness could not comprehend it. That means when you grow in knowledge, you can never be poor anymore. When you grow in knowledge, you cannot be sick another day in your life again. Turn your Bibles to Peter. Hear what Peter said. So you discover that this truth is parallel. It's not just Paul that says it. Even Peter also reiterated this fact. Amen. In Second Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. He says in verse 2. Grace and what? Peace be multiplied to you. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That means as you grow in the knowledge of God, as you grow in the knowledge of God, grace and peace is what? Multiplied to you. Where we live as Christians, the experiences we have is directly tied to the knowledge we function in. And what knowledge we function in? What has Jesus done for us? What do we have by consequence of what he has done? What does that act of the cross empower us now to do? Am I talking to somebody? That means I need to know what is mine in Christ. Listen, what you know cannot be taken away from you. Do I have a witness? What you know cannot be taken away from you. (laughs) Knowledge, they say, is power. It's truly power. Spiritual knowledge is power. We're not talking about, you know, a lot of people know things in the business world. They know things in the academic world. They know things in the economy. They know things in government, but know very little about God. And it's spiritual knowledge that brings about what? Change. And this spiritual knowledge is a knowledge of the gospel. Seek to know the gospel like you've never known before. Did I hear you say amen? That's why I said, you know, there are three levels of knowledge. Let me quickly just talk about them. There's what we call recognition, the level of revelation. So when you begin to pursue the knowledge of God's word, the first thing is revelation. You know, that's the level, this is what, you know, is known as NOSCO. At the level of NOSCO, am I talking to someone? This is where your eyes are open to truth. Where you know. These are things that are revealed. They are more than scientific facts. That means you go into the word of God and God opens your eyes to see. That's what the psalmist was saying. Open my eyes that I may behold what? Wondrous things out of your word. So when you go into the word of God, you see past letters. God opens your eyes to see. You become aware. That's what happens in the teaching of God's word. You come to church, pastor is teaching. What was, what you are not, what you didn't know before is revealed to you. It becomes what? A revelation to you. You know when Peter, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? You remember what Peter said? He said, you are Jesus, the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. That means this is not computed information. This is not something you read from a textbook. He said, my father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. So the Holy Ghost reveals God's word to you. That is why you have to be in a Bible believing church like Blueprint. Where the word of God is taught. Glory to God. This is the level where things are unveiled. You know one of the things I constantly hear people say when they stay in our church. Maybe after a period of time they say, pastor, how come I've never seen these truths before? How come I've never realized these truths before? I say revelation has come. Knowledge has come. And I've noticed the moment people begin to have revelation, their lives change. But you see, you can't stop at the level of revelation. You now proceed to what I call the level of awareness. What is awareness? It's when you know what to do with the spiritual truths that have been revealed to you. 
Amen. When you know what to do. When you know what to do. So in the book of Ephesians chapter 3. In the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Where uh, Paul was writing the current, uh, Ephesians in verse 19. He says, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That word know there is to know, is no school. To have a revelation. <laughs> you can't know the love of Christ by mentally reasoning it. That's why some people find it difficult to believe that your sins can be forgiven. Was past, present, and future. They say, how can you say God has forgiven past, present? It's a revelation. That no matter what God loves us, it beats what? Understanding. Glory to God. It beats knowledge. The knowledge there is what? Is gnosis. That means there, there's, you, you don't, you don't need, there's knowledge that is available to us that you can read in textbooks and people can explain to you how to walk in love, what to do. But when you, when it comes to the love of God, you can't read it in a book. You can't read it in a textbook. It has to be revealed to you. But you see, that's not all. You move to the level. What do you do with that love? That's the level we call awareness. Is that okay? That's the level of what? Of awareness. The place of conviction. Do I have a witness? Paul said in Romans chapter 8 verse 28, For we know that all things do what? Work together for good for them that love him, them who are called according to his purpose. That word, when he says, for we know, that word know there is not nosco now. That word there is awareness. We are aware. That means you find yourself in a situation and there is no fear. That is the level of faith. Are you with me? That is the level of faith. Where you now know what to do with the knowledge that God has given you. See, I've been through situations. Last, uh, three years ago, I was queried for cancer, leukemia, you know, and you know, people were, people were wondering what would we call Pastor Ramey? I, 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 one of the times I visited your church, you know, blueprint, that was two or three years ago, you know, they said there was sickness in my body, but I was aware. <laughs> it's not just a revelation I was preaching, I was aware. In fact, one of those days, you know, um, that night I was in the hotel and I was a, on a fast and, you know, PD just set up this wonderful table for me. I, I said, no, I didn't want to eat. You know, because I was waiting upon God and I was just consecrating myself to the knowledge of these truths. It looked like I was, it looked like I was ill. Everybody was saying, Pastor Arame, you're losing weight, you're dropping weight, what is happening? But I, I have come to a place in the midst of that situation. I knew something tangible about God's love. Are you getting me? So when Paul said, we know that all things work together for our good. He's not saying we are saying the situation is working for our good. No, that's not what we know. We have become aware of the things that God has deposited in us. You need to read from verse 24 all the way to 28 to know what you are saying in context. How the Spirit of God helps us to pray with, with words that cannot be uttered. How the Spirit of God reveals the mind of God to us. And he said, if you are aware of the eternal workings of God's Spirit in your heart, then you have no fear. Do I have a witness? You have no fear. You know that God is working for you. You know that He can never leave you. You know that His Word is alive. You know that His Spirit reinvigorates you. His Spirit revitalizes your body. That is the level of awareness. That means you need to stay with God's word until, you know, you don't just read God's word once in church, hear it once in church and go. No. You allow the word of God. Are we together? You allow the spirit of God bring you to that place of awareness so that no matter the situation, you know what to do. This is when you can stand and begin to declare to situations. Declare and say, this is how it's going to end. You know it's a level of awareness. And the last level of, 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 um, Knowledge is what I call recognition. Amen. The level of recognition, which is what Paul prayed. This is where you are now transformed into the knowledge that you interface with. The Bible says in the book of uh, Genesis chapter 3, for sake of time, that when Eve ate of that fruit, what happened? Her eyes opened. 
she became aware that she was in a different world. She saw her emptiness without God. Now, at the level of recognition, this is what is known as a penosis. At this level, you come to that place where you know without a shadow of doubt, you yourself, the word of God conditions your mind to think in a particular way. Are you with me? You are not getting into, you are not in faith one day, in unbelief one day. When you hear people talk in a particular way, you can't even relate to what they are saying. Like I was telling somebody, you come to a place where when they are talking about people being poor, you can't even understand what it means to be poor. Because Second Corinthians 8 9 has become so alive in your spirit that you've been made wealthy through the sacrifice and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich for your sake, he became poor. You through his poverty have been made rich. When you meditate on scriptures like that, and you begin to think deeply about those scriptures. You come to a place of exact knowledge. Full knowledge. And this is where Paul wants all of us to come. Now, anything you come to the place of full knowledge about, you are transformed. Your life is changed. So this year, program yourself to stay in the place. Stay with God's word. Until you come to that place where you can rise up. It doesn't matter whether there are issues around you. When you come to this place of epinosis. You can declare, I can never be broke another day in my life again. I can never be sick another day in my life again. You have come to a place of full precise knowledge. That is when you begin to discover that everything around you begins to change and align to what you have seen. You become what you see in God's world. So the change of level doesn't just come by prayer. It comes by revelation. And the second way is through spiritual power. And this is what I say in closing. Amen. Spiritual power. What do I mean by spiritual power? By spiritual power, I'm talking about the power of God that is resident in you. You making it operative. I told you a while ago, Paul prayed that you will know the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. The exceeding greatness of his power. So the power is in you. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's in you. But the Bible tells us in James chapter 5, how to get that power to walk. Glory to God. How do you get that power to walk? Is by prayer. Amen. James chapter 5. The Bible says, in verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. He says, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Glory to God. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man does what avails much. One translation says, it makes tremendous power available. You know, you can have a generator in your house and not have power. Do you understand? You can have a generator in your house and not have power. That means you have to put on that generator. It's when you put on that generator that the power that is in the generator will be made available. So listen to me. When you got born again and you received the Holy Ghost, you received the power of God on the inside of you. But you see, when you make that power available, things happen. I used this illustration recently in church and I want to use it as I close. Imagine I send someone to your house who knows how to fix any kind of electrical gadget. He knows how to fix televisions. He knows how to fix uh, phones. Anything that is anything that has to do with um, an electrical gadget, he knows how to fix it. And then you have this 500 kVA generator in your house and I send the guy to your house. However, you know, if you want that guy to fix anything in the house, are we together? You have to turn on the power so he can use the power to walk. You have the power. He knows, he knows how to get the things fixed. Now, if you refuse to turn on the gen, will the guy be able to fix the things? No. Are we together? So you have to turn on the gen so that he can fix the things. In the same way, 
God has everything available. Angels working for you. You have all kinds of people. You have, he has, everything in heaven is working together for your good. But the power that gets them to work is where? It's in you. So when you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, you are not praying for God to move. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you are making power available for things to happen. Are you with me? That's why when you pray, you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, spiritual energy is generated. You begin to carry images that in your heart. Then one angel now goes to one part of Lagos, goes to bring that file. Then your file that was under one, uh, your proposal that has been, you know, under one desk, you know, the angel now wakes the guy up and says, look, get thinking, you know, address this case right now. Then things begin to happen for you. It's not a coincidence. You are not praying to move the hand of God. You are generating power, making it available for things to what? For things to happen. And you know the, the beauty of the power of God? Paul said, this same power which raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Because what defines the power of God is his ability to bring life into dead situations. Electrical power can only power appliances. Are you getting me? But it cannot resurrect a dead person. But there's something about the power of God. It can resurrect dead things. So if your business is dead, once there is power, it can resurrect it. Amen. If, if, your, if your relationship is struggling and you have requisite knowledge and you generate power, things just begin to happen. That's why we now say that prayer changes things. Are you getting me? What it changes is that it makes the power available for things to happen. And I want to say to every one of you this year that this is your best year yet. I see your church moving from glory to glory. I stand solidly in faith with you for all the things that is in the heart of your pastor and the things that you've set your heart to do for the kingdom this year. I pray for every one of you that as you walk in knowledge, as you pray in the Holy Ghost this year, this will be the most beautiful year for you yet. Because what you are thinking will be done in 10 years, will be done in the next one year, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. I release my faith with you, declaring that it's a year of the open door, declaring that it's a year of mighty harvest, declaring that it's a year of possibilities in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. God cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. One more time I want to say thank you, Pastor, for this great honor. Thank you for having me minister and share with your people. And I trust that this world will leave you changed and transformed forever. Do have a beautiful year. I'm looking forward to seeing you sometime in the year. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you for engaging with us in this episode. We trust that your life has been beautified. If you'd like to share what Jesus is doing in your life through this ministry, please write to us at hello.blueprintstories.org. You can visit our website at www.blueprintstories.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at the Blueprints Church and on Instagram at the Blueprints Church. Share.